0: Welcome back to The Shorter, a podcast on the Shorter Catechism, where two pastors take 20 something minutes to confess their way through the 107 questions of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'm your host, Tommy Park, and I'm joined by my co host, Stephen Spinneweber. What's up, buddy? What's up, Stephen? How are you tonight? Tonight, today. Today? Yeah.
1: And your days are bleeding together with this uh, lockdown. No, it's going well. Um, Not too much going on today. I had. Study week recently, it was delightful. Uh, came back from a wedding, which was even more delightful. First wedding I ever participated in. So oh.
0: Officiated or just was participation?
1: Well, so the woman who was married, her father is a pastor. And so in the same way that I will one day when my daughter is being married, I will exercise my right uh, as the father of the bride to to marry. But they're they really sweet. Um, he had to give the bride away. Yeah. And so... There I was. There you go. Yeah. Sweet couple. Sweet, sweet couple. So back in the saddle and back to the shorter. So we are at question 11, correct?
0: That's correct, Stephen. We're at question 11. It talks about God's works of providence.
1: So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Questions 9 and 10, two weeks ago now, um, they talked about how all things came to be, the work of creation of the whole world and the creation of man. But today, we're focusing on how all things continue to be, moving from initial creation to ongoing preservation or the maintenance of all things. And if we break question 11 down into its two most basic parts, the Catechism highlights two characteristics of God's providential control. Tommy, what are those?
0: First, the Catechism tells us how God executes the work of providence, that the manner in which he preserves the world and is holy wise and powerful, preserving and governing. And this, I mean, this is really important. I mean, just imagine God was the one who created all things, that same God who was created all things and it was good. And we see his wonder and his holiness and his is the same God who is preserving. Again, the Christian God, we believe is a God who is still interacting, has a relationship with his being. So it he's would not, be, yeah, he's not creating and walking away mm-hmm. that he's creative and still Caring for us and the world particularly and it's wholly wise, and powerful. And the second is that catechism tells us the extent of his providence. In other words, how much of creation does God control? Some of it or all of it? And the catechism clearly tells us that our God's control of all of it. Just like he controlled or he was the main agent in the creation of the whole world, Mm -hmm. he is now governing and preserving and watching and protecting all of creation. Yeah. No,
1: that's a great point. I think it would be odd for God to go to these tremendous lengths to preserve or to create the world and then to just let it go, as it were. So, yeah, there's a creation and then there's a preservation. So, how God executes the work of providence. God's providence, if we were to summarize it very basically— is his sovereign rule over the world that he has created. And when we speak of the manner in which he does this, we're immediately reintroduced to the very character of God, uh, the character of the God behind this doctrine of providence. We learn that his providence is those three adjectives that you named, that it's holy, wise, and powerful. So in the scriptures, that first attribute, or the first manner in which he exercises providence we see that it's holy. We get that from Psalm 145, verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. That's pretty clear. Tommy, what about wise? Where do we get wisdom?
0: Again, we can go right back to the Psalter there in Psalm 104. Oh Lord, uh, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you made all. The earth is full of your riches. Mm-hmm. And so again, just, uh, you know, as the, the psalm, as he looks over all who God is and what, what he's done and continues to do, what he sees is wisdom. He sees what's wise, and that's coming from God himself. Yeah. And then that final one? Powerful. Um, Hebrews, Hebrews 1.3, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe for the, by the power, by the word of his power. Yeah.
1: And then Psalm 145. Psalm 145 is a psalm uh, that we'll be revisiting again in in the episode. The Lord is faithful in all his word and kind in all his works. I do love that attribute, kind, that he's kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. So, the character of God and and how he preserves the creation is important for us to know. And and we'll come back to sort of pastoral implications of that. Um, Then as we work our way down the catechism, down this question, it describes for us using not adjectives, but verbs sort of the nuts and bolts, the mechanics of how providence works and what is it that God does in such a holy, wise and powerful manner. And we get to those two verbs Preserving and governing. Tommy, break down the difference between those two.
0: Yeah, he is basically preserving. You know, so he is. Uh, he, you know, as you know, the, just like the a certain heartbeat has to keep a certain rhythm, mm-hmm. uh, certain ox, you know, temperatures. You know, even you know now in the the COVID world, you know, anytime we get over. A hundred, you know, things people take notice, you know, and he is so involved that those heartbeats start going on, the oxygen levels, the temperature. I mean, you can again see the design of the world and us, but he is the one who is, uh, you know, taking care. As you were pointing out earlier, that he is preserving all those things: the the our breath, the law of gravity, um, just the. The map out of the world, you can you can see how certain cultures and the temperature and how different uh, produce is grown in certain parts of the world. Mm-hmm. All that is by the very preserving of God. That's not by I, it's not by accident. You know, it's by yeah. God's providential care that He is preserving His world in such a way that certain things are are being provided, um, and and He is the one who is caring for those things and. Uh, In Acts 17, you know, uh, where it says he's actually not far from each one of us for, and again, you know, in him we live and move and have our being. And so uh, the reason we're able to move around and have existence is because God is caring for us. He's watching over us. He's protecting us. He's with us and he is for us and he is preserving us.
1: Yeah, we we don't have two legs to stand on unless he maintains us and, you know, we continue to have two feet uh, at our most base existence. The fact that we breathe, the fact that we have a heart that beats, lungs that, you know, exhale, inhale, that's not some sort of independent existence that we have, but something that God is constantly maintaining uh, for our sakes. Now, governing has this different idea, whereas preservation is preservation of the creature, And, and the catechism will kind of do this all his creatures and all their actions. Preservation is of the creature, but governing and governance has in view not so much the creature itself, but the creature's actions. And um, if we were to like break this down in an illustrative manner, you think of like a zookeeper. A zookeeper at best is a preserver. The zookeeper feeds the animal. He uh, keeps him warm, keeps him safe out of harm's way. The life of the animal is preserved by the zookeeper, but that is as far as his control goes. God, on the other hand, not only preserves our bodies and the environment in which we live, the whole world, but he is also said, and scripture says it, to govern the actions of creatures themselves, that his control extends even that far, which leads us to the second characteristic of his providence, that it's all-encompassing, right?
0: Yeah, and I mean, here's, you brought up a wedding. I mean, it's kind of interesting how we've seen this kind of how God's preserving and how even our actions, secondary causes Mm -hmm. kind of effect. You know, for example, you uh, mentioned that you're a wedding this past weekend. Uh, Probably everybody involved in that wedding prayed for weeks and months that it would not rain. Yeah. Uh, Where at the same time, probably in that same area of town, there's a farmer longing for rain, longing for that same, you know, you know he needed rain to preserve his crop, mm-hmm. um, and these people wanted rain just to have, a, not to have rain because they wanted a, a dry day. Mm-hmm. Um, but God in His providence knows exactly where to put the rain at the right time, you know, and and sometimes a wedding might get in the way, you know, but God's the one who is. Kind of always at work. Yeah. It was a beautiful
1: sunshine. It was like in Melbourne Beach. We had to yeah. drive like 30 minutes just to get out there. It was glorious. That's
0: where my grandparents used to live.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. You got to make time to get out there again. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. So, yeah, the the governing of all circumstances, all things, um, and as question one says, you know, um, it's for the glory of God. Uh, ultimately, that's that's the aim of all providence and it's all encompassing, we already cited text that said it, you know, that it's all things are um, upheld by the word of his powers, like Hebrews 1.3, but also Psalm 103, verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So when you read scripture, I mean, you know, we're not exactly alike, but I don't see any corner of creation or the acts of man. That God's like, well, you know, that's kind of uh, that's kind of out of my control there. I, I really have no part or no share <laughs> in that one, um, which is kind of what people say of God sometimes. That, well, God, you know, is like the zookeeper. He preserves us, but he really lets us make our own decisions. You know, we, we have this kind of autonomy um, and God has nothing to do with that. But that, that's not how scripture reads. Am I right?
0: Oh, that's I mean, I mean clearly you know you kind of show this the greatest, and even the scripture goes all the way to the least. You know, Matthew ten, it talks about are not two sparrows sold for a daughter uh, for a penny. I don't know where a dollar came from uh, <laughs> for a penny, uh, and not not one of them will fall from the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. You I mean so God is so involved that. He, he knows when a bird's going to fall. Um,
1: and Not I, worth a dollar, a penny. A penny, You yes. would have been a very... Uh, b- I, uh bird salesman would have loved you. Like, this guy's going to give me a dollar. A dollar, know?
0: shining dollar. Um, but he also knows the very numbers of our hair. You know, like your wonderful wavy hair that you got going there and my fresh cut. He even knows...
1: I mean, no, you don't have more goatee hair than you do head hair. But, you know, the fact, yeah, that God... If God goes out of his way and Jesus, you know, is is talking in in Matthew 10, if he is saying that God knows and has control over even the insignificant, seemingly insignificant details of life, then doesn't it stand to reason that over the things like, um, man and his actions would also be within the wheelhouse of God that he would care, you know, to govern these things and to not just wind them up, watch it and let it go. Um, That's saying something about God and sort of, you know, he does care and and he so cares um, that he is sovereign and intimately involved in every detail of life.
0: Yeah. And it also, I mean, I think, you know, I would point our listeners back to Ligan Duncan's interview. Yes. And also Thursday when we uh, release uh, Brian Cosby's interview, you know, you know, the, um, God's sovereignty and man's responsibilities all kind of wrapped up into this. And, now, and, and it's, um,
1: you've got J.I. Packer quote, but before you get to that yeah, one, yeah. I've, I've got like a illustration because in uh, his book, highly recommended by the way, um, evangelism and the sovereignty of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he talks about this tension that we feel. And we talked about with the apostle Paul, even Paul, who is an inspired author of scripture, isn't able to resolve the tension between divine sovereignty, human responsibility. But Packer calls that an antimony. An antimony is two things that are apparently contradictory, but not actually. And the example he uses is the dual nature of light. And with the dual nature of light, light exists both as a wave and a particle. It just does. There's nothing else that science has found where it exists both as a wave and a particle. Now, just because Everything else that exists as a wave does not exist as a particle, right? That doesn't mean that light, well, we have to lop off half of what light is. No, we can't resolve the tension, and yet both are equally true. They are not reconcilable in our minds, but we don't want to discount one in the interest of upholding the other. And likewise, when we talk about providence um, and we talk about human responsibility and all these things, they're both equally true. Just because we can't square them doesn't mean it's not so. So yeah. Packer, that's something that he says. But you've got a just a nice cogent summary from Packer of divine providence and what we're talking about. What what is that?
0: Yeah. So Jaya Packer, and if, again for our listeners, if you've never heard of him, I would. He just passed away maybe two weeks ago. But he had a great book on knowing God, but also one on consense, concise mm-hmm. theology. Um, And there, I think this is where this comes from, but uh, he talks about uh, if creation was a unique exercise of divine energy that caused the world to be, providence is a continued exercise of that same energy whereby the creator, according to his own will, A, keeps all creatures in their being, B, involves himself in all events, and C, directs all things to their appointed end. So, in other words, God is completely in charge of this world. Uh, his hand is hidden, but His rule is absolute. Um, and kind of a biblical example of this is the Book of Ruth. Um, I think is this great, uh, where you see the very what's called the invisible hand of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the beginning of it doesn't start well. You know, you got um,
1: Ahimelech and his family. Yeah, you know, all, peace out.
0: They all die. You yeah, know. it's like, uh, and. We could all get into the the how what their names mean, you know like I think death and sickness or something this, his son's names or but anyways, but you see in God's providence where Ruth and Boaz to continue that line of Christ uh I think in the text that you know it so happens to be she ends up in Boaz's field, yeah, you know, and so there you see God's uh, he's keeping all his creatures in their being. He's involved himself in all the events, uh, and, he's, and, and he directs all things to their appointed end. Um, the appointed end was the line of Christ, the seed of Christ would continue, um, and you see all that kind of, well, what's called the invisible hand of God, that his providence. He is taking care, watching over, and being involved in Ruth in such a way to continue uh, the very storyline of the ultimate st- of his history to get us to Christ.
1: And that same invisible hand is also at work in another book of the Bible who the protagonist is is a female uh, in Esther. Mm-hmm. You know, God doesn't speak in the books of Esther or Ruth, right? But these are books really on providence and to how God can execute his providence even through the unlikeliest of human instruments. Because remember, at that time... You know, we think of the prophets, we think of Moses, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs. But here, Ruth, a Moabitess, the last person on earth you figure, one, that the line of the Messiah would be through, but then two, you know, the heroine uh, of this story and, and the zeal and all this stuff, the fidelity that she shows to Israel that not even Ahimelech and his son show. Uh, and then with Esther, yeah. you know, uh, in a harem of who knows how many women she gets the courage to go before the king unannounced. So, yeah, I I like that. The invisible hand of God. Is that what you said? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, so J.I. Packer, really helpful on this stuff. And he, I think with those, that A, B, and C that you said, God keeps all creatures in being. He involves himself in all events, directs all things, that comprehensive nature, the extent of God's providence. It extends to all things. So pastorally when we talk about this um how should we talk about it when we say well god's sovereign over all things um how have you explained this to students when they ask you or to say maybe a family that's grieving the loss of a child or a loved one or a child who walks away from the faith how would you deal with somebody how would you handle this doctrine
0: of providence Uh, i would first you need to handle it with um with care you no know, i think to me this is one of the, the biggest uh mysteries uh of of the christian faith you know i know for absolute that my god is in control that he's providentially taking care and uh, in, that uh, includes the very hard times um and so it's it's tough to just say oh god's in control and then kind of walk away mm-hmm. um and so you have to handle it with care you know i you know often my when i do have questions or curiosities of how how things are playing out you know like you know a dear friend have a miscarriage or even we live in the midst of covid and and people are passing away or dying because Mm -hmm. of this you know and so so one we have to approach it with care um um, and again that god's providential care that he is uh, in his kind goodness um that you know and then just go back to scripture that there a uh, time and time again uh you know even there back in the ruth story you know it starts with um you know the, all the all the guys passing away you know the um and at that point you're wondering what god is up to mm-hmm. uh, and at the end of the story um you know, you you see this where where God is leading this whole thing, and you see it with with Joseph, and you see it even with Paul as he um, gets into prison and and leading the jailer, and so um, you know, and so after careful meditation, you can see how God's invisible hand is at work, even though in the times where it does in an the, in the earthly sense hurts, right? Um, that that God is is at work, preserving for his glory, um, even in the midst of our own pain and sorrow.
1: Yeah, the Puritans, I can't remember which, they use sort of this illustration of a chastening rod. Now, um, I don't use a rod uh, to discipline my children, but, you know, we, we discipline our kids, and, and sure, you know, the immediate pain is probably what jumps at out at you, but as they use sort of this chastening rod, they say that, you know, the immediate thwack of the rod might really hurt. It might smart. But when we see that the hand that's wielding that rod is the hand of a loving father who desires the maturation of his, of his son or his daughter, well, then it takes on a new meaning. It doesn't mean that it hurts any less, mm-hmm. but that we see purpose. We see even profit in undergoing hard trials like that in this life. And you're right. So many of these things, we can't interpret it right in the moment. But after the fact, we have to come back and say, we have to submit our wisdom in that yeah. moment to the wisdom of God. Yeah,
0: and it includes everything. So, I would say includes the really – the good things of life. You know, I mean, I feel like, you know, I work for RUF, I work for a Christian ministry. I work in a sense of I have to raise money. You know, I have to trust God for his provision. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it for 13 years now. Um and I've seen it through hard, you know, through my own life and through my students and through my friends, um, you know, just going through tough times of life. And then there's also the reality where, I mean, I call it like, God, seriously, I mean, how do you get a flat tired now? You know, yeah. like the those things where it just, I mean, in the scheme of life, they don't really mean anything, but at the same time, you're like, God I mean, he decreed it or he, you know, this is what he has laid in front of me that this random nail, which I think is random, got in my tire and flattened it. There's Uh, something he's
1: teaching you in that moment. Like, it's not a part of my plan, but it is a part of God's plan. And Sarah and I, we're reading a a book, Shepherding a Child's Heart by um, Ted Tripp. Yeah. And it's interesting because when he talks about parenting, like, sometimes the way that we treat our kids, it's like inconvenience, like, oh, um you know, he's this temper tantrum or this is getting in the way of my plans or or my relaxing evening or whatever else. But when we understand that um, those are opportunities and that um, the plan or the purpose of parenting is not just to get by with as few headaches as possible, but it's actually like pour into these kids when they're sort of that nail that hits the tire of my evening. If it's a temper tantrum or something like that, that's an opportunity for the Lord to teach us something. It's not a deviation from the real plan it's just a deviation from my plan and I need to humbly accept that. Yeah. Um, and and just to thinking pastoral, I think that the divines were very pastoral here too because when we talk about providence, they immediately introduce it with who is the one exercising this? Just remember the hand that's wielding even these hard providences. It's a holy, wise, and powerful God that loves you. Yeah. Um, I think they handle it well, very yeah. well. Another wise guys. Wise guys guys um so
0: we've got some hymns you know we got some hymn quotes here yeah i know it's interesting again at the beginning we talked about the psalms and the psalter kind of being this songbook as it were and um we could see that that tradition continue through the hymns where mm-hmm. god's people are honest with uh, who they see their God is, but also through life. And uh, this one hymn, O oh Father, you are sovereign. You know, here's one line O oh Father, you are sovereign, the Lord of human pain, transmuting earthly sorrow to gold of heavenly gain, all evil overruling as none but conquer could. Your love purpose pursues its purpose, our soul's eternal good. Yeah.
1: And then my favorite hymn on this topic of sovereignty and providence, you can find these in like the red Trinity hymnal. I think, Oh Father, Your Sovereign is like 75 and this other one's 128, but he says, Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break with blessings on your head. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower." Blessings on your head. Blessings on your head. It's a dark cloud. It doesn't deny yeah. that, you know, these are big clouds, but they result in blessings.
0: Yeah. You now, the hymns are always rich with these great pictures of of how God does take care of us. Mm-hmm. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of hardship, um, our God is the one who is certain. Uh, and that's the beauty of our God and our Creator and our Savior. Our holy, wise, and powerful God. And
1: So uh, think about these themes, Uh, talk about them with your families, Uh, open your Bibles, look at some of the texts that we mentioned, and uh, certainly avail yourself of those resources from J.I. Packer. And we look forward to our interview Thursday, remind me, we're Dr. Cosby, right? Yeah,
0: Brian Cosby.
1: Dr. Brian Cosby. We look forward to the interview and we look forward to continuing the conversation with y'all. Until we talk next, keep it short.
0: What are God's works of
1: providence? God's works of providence
0: are His most holy, wise and powerful, preserving and governing All His creatures and all their
1: actions What are God's works of providence? God's works of providence are His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing All His creatures and all their actions